Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we are grateful for the blood of Jesus that removes our sin. And so, Lord, this morning as we rejoice in that and as we look at your word together, we pray that you would remind us of that. That we are forgiven not because of the things that we have done or because of the things that we don't do, but we are forgiven because of the work that Jesus has done on the cross. So would you encourage our hearts with that this morning? In his name we ask, amen. You may be seated. I don't know if there are any fishermen in the audience today, but I, I like fly fishing. And I was thinking about this, that this text today is a little bit like fly fishing. And it's because when you, when you cast out, you're trying to fool the fish. You put it out there and it looks like something, right? You, you tie the fly, you make it look like the kind of fly that the fish would find out there on the water. Okay? So if you put the wrong thing out there, they're not going to think that that's something that they want to eat. But if you pick the right thing and you get it right out there laid just in the right place, that fish will look up and go, oh, that looks pretty good. I think I'm going to grab hold of that. And there are times when if you take a weighted fly and a sinking line and you throw it out there and you uh, strip it in just just right so that 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 weighted fly kind of goes down and then comes back up and does like this and you're, you're just stripping it in slowly. What happens is that the fish who's sitting at the bottom sees that going by like this and think, well, that's a wounded minnow swimming for shore. And that, that fish will sometimes come up and just tap it just to see what will happen and knock it off course, just, just to see. And if you feel that bump, you can't pull yet. Because if you pull too soon, you're going to lose that fish. You're going to scare him off. So, so you just keep stripping it in because you know, oh, he's tempted. He's looking at it. And he comes and he bumps it again, and, but you, you're just waiting. And then pretty soon, that fish is going to come down and it's going to come up and it's going to grab hold that fly and it's going to hit that thing like there's no other joy in the world than having fish yank on that rod and you yank back and you set that hook and now you've got him. You're going to be able to reel him all the way in. Well, what Paul is doing in Romans is very similar to that. And so last week, uh, you didn't know it, but you were following that fly. You may even have bumped it a couple of times. And this week, he's about to grab hold and and just reel you right in. Okay, so uh, if you would, turn with me uh, to Romans chapter 2. Um, and, well, let me, let me read this setup just in case you weren't here last week. I want you to be properly set up just like the people who were here last week. So in, in, uh, if you don't have a Bible, it's on the, in the chairs page 805. In Romans chapter 1 verse 18 it said, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. 
but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions, for their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty of their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, They not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. Those people. Verse 18 started, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. And then from there on, he says, And they do this, and they do that, and they do this, and they do that, and they do this, and they do that, and they are awful. And we read this and follow it and go, yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. Those rejecters of God, those unrighteous, ungodly people. Yeah, they do that too. They do that too. And the hook is set. Romans chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges, For in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself, because you, the judge, practice the very same things. We know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. Do you suppose, O man, you who judge those who practice such things and yet do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? But because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. They, 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 you. In fact, uh, last week I had somebody ask me a question. They they asked me, uh, how did the they in at the end of chapter 1, become we. Because I I had been very clear that we were talking about they, they, they. And then I finished by saying, so we. And the the question was, how did that become we? Well, it was not from that text, but from the context. I borrowed from this week a little bit. Because what he does is he's using the third person plural, them and they, to set us up. And then he turns it and says, now 
you, second person singular, you have no excuse. Oh man or woman, you have, you have no excuse. Every one of you who judges. You see, that last week we were looking at this list of sins and we realized that one of the temptations when we see sin in other people is to approve it. We look at the sin and we go, you know, I do that same sort of thing. It's probably fine. Maybe we don't come right out and improve it like, oh, yay, way to go, that was a great sin, hooray! You know, we're not right that far. But we just don't say anything or we ignore it. We just minimize it. You know, it's just, it's really not that big of a deal. Did you see what he, no, it's, you know, we just minimize it or ignore it or pass by it. And in so doing, we approve it. And that's one temptation, but the other temptation is on the other side to go, that's wrong. That is so wrong. You can't do that. That's sin. You know how I know it's sin? The Bible says it's sin. And when the Bible says it's sin, that's sin. And sin is sin. And that's a sin, because I recognize it. You can't do that. You deserve whatever's coming to you. And we step back and we judge them. It it doesn't quite sound that cartoony or funny, usually. Usually it sounds more like, I cannot believe them. Or we just get really angry. Therefore you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges. For in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself. Because you, the judge, practice the very same things. Wait, wait, time out. I didn't do the same thing. Not, no, uh uh-uh, no. They murdered, I didn't do that. That wasn't me. They were a rapist. They abused people. They defrauded people. They stole, they cheated. I didn't do those things. I was just faithless. Lying. I, 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 I didn't really take from anybody or steal from anybody. I just didn't tell them the exact truth. Misled them a little bit. I don't think what he's saying here is that those things that we judge, we practice exactly the same things in exactly the same way. But when looking at this list of things that other people do, we recognize that we do some of the things on that list also. So in judging the people who do the category of stuff called sin, we recognize that we also do things in the category of stuff called sin. And don't think that you can just step back and go, ah, nope, I'm impartial. I'm just calling it what it is. Because very often what we find is that we put ourselves in a place where we go, that's wrong and you deserve punishment. You deserve bad stuff to happen to you because you are bad. Careful. Therefore you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges. 
For in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself because you, the judge, practice the very same things. We know, verse 2, we know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. Okay, let's, let's stop for a second and say that God does judge sin. Righteously so. And we know that to be true, right? Everybody believes that there is sin that should be judged, that should be punished. They, they might have a high threshold, but at some point you, you work your way up the ladder. And, what about taking a piece of gum? No, that's not bad enough. They don't need to be punished for that. Well, okay, what about lying to their mom? No, that's a, well, I'm the mom. Yeah, that's, that, we should probably do something about that one. But, it, but not that bad. It should, it's, not, it's not that bad. Don't have the wrath of God come down on them. Not, not, not anything like that. Well, what, what if they, they kidnap a child? Okay, hang on now. What, what if they kidnap and abuse that child? What if they do awful, unspeakable things to that kid? Yeah. Yeah, we can all agree that at least for that person, the wrath of God should come down on them and come down hard. Because that is completely unacceptable. We recognize, when we see sin in others, one of the first things that comes to our mind is the righteousness of God demands judgment. And the righteousness of God, we know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice those kinds of things. That sin, God's judgment will come on them. We know that. But what does that mean for us? How do we respond to that? We, we know they are deserving of judgment. We know that they are deserving of wrath. Are they deserving of our judgment and our wrath? God's judgment and God's wrath are already there. Already present. We know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. But do you suppose, verse 3, do you suppose, O man, you who judge those who practice such things and yet do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Here's the first thing that I think that we need to do when we see sin in others that causes us to react, right? That puts us in a place of judgment, when we see sin in others that we go, that's wrong, it should be a reminder to us to do some self-evaluation. God's justice, God's judgment, God's wrath will take care of the sin. We don't have to worry about that. But the reality is that we practice, we do the same kinds of things. And so when we see sin in others that causes us to step back and go, Hey, judging, I'm judging, condemning you. When we feel that in ourselves, it should be a, a place where we go, Time out. I put myself in a place of judge. Let me just do a self-evaluation, a self-check. How am I doing? 
How am I doing? Because do I suppose we who judge those who practice such things and yet do them ourselves that we will escape the judgment of God? You see, if it's just my anger and my wrath that they have to deal with, then it's not that big of a deal. What's the worst that I'm going to do to them? Be angry? Yell at them a little bit? Be really mad? They can probably handle that. It's not really me that needs to do the judging. It's not me that brings the punishment or the consequences of the sin. God does that. And so if I can recognize that God is the one that does that, Scripture says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. I will take care of those things. Have you ever um, found yourself in this situation, either as the child or as the parent, where one child does something to the other child, and the other child retaliates? This does happen occasionally in my house. One kid takes another kid's toy, and the other one hits them. I know you know my children, and you don't believe that they ever hit. They ever hit. And I come into this situation then, and the one who has stolen the toy is crying. Why is the one who stole the toy crying? Because they're hurt. What what am I going to do now? Well, of course you're hurt. You took the toy. Why'd you hit him? Well, they took my toy. You can't hit him. I'm the, I'm the dad. I'm the dad. I have to be able to do the parenting here. You have to let me do the parenting because if you hit them now, I can't do anything. Now, I'm not saying that if we hit them, God can't do something. He'll take care of whatever needs to be taken care of. But we put ourselves in a place of needing His wrath on us now. Right? Just like the kid who did the hitting, now you're in trouble. It was You were fine. Your toy was stolen. You were sad. I would have happily come in and fixed this. But now you're in trouble because you did the hitting. And I know you don't feel like that's fair. Because your toy was stolen, and so it was justified, but it wasn't justified because you're not the dad. I'm the dad. Okay, translation. We're not the dad. I'm the dad of my kids, but I'm not your dad. I'm not their dad. He's dad. We have to let him be the one who gets mad. We have to be him, let him be the one who does the judging and the wrathing. That's a word. I just made it up. We have to let him do those things. And we put ourselves in a place that go, okay, wait, what about me? Because his wrath is just, his judgment is right. And if that's the case, how do I stand right now in front of Him? How are we doing, me and Him? Because if we find ourselves on the wrong side of the equation, do we think that just because they deserve the wrath of God, that somehow we won't incur it also? No, we have to say, 
wait, what about me? What's going on in me? What's the sin going on here? Verse 4, Or do you presume on the riches of His kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? See, this is the two options that we have. When we see the sin in others and we stand in a place of judgment and condemnation, we either think that they deserve it, but we don't. We're going to escape the wrath of God somehow. It just won't fall on us. We, we aren't so sinful as them. Like if you put it on a scale, they're really bad and we're not so bad. And so the, the wrath of God's all going to go over there and none of it's going to come over here. Or we presume on the riches and kindness and forbearance and patience of God. And we go, oh, 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 yeah, they deserve it, but I'm forgiven. Totally forgiven. Jesus died for my sins, so I'm forgiven. They still deserve it, but I'm forgiven. I like this picture of presuming on the riches of His kindness and forbearance and patience. Have you ever had somebody presume on your uh, kindness and forbearance and patience? I, I was one of those people one time who presumed. I was working with my brother. We were, oh man, we were probably like 13 and 17 years old. So, somewhere in there, Right? And we were out working on a church project. We were going to build this rock wall. And so we had these huge rocks. They were, some of them were two-man or three-man rocks. It took two or three of us to lift these things. And uh, this guy was helping us. He was from the church, and he had a brand-new truck. And he told us, he said, Now, this truck is brand-new, but, um, but this is a work truck, so it's okay if it gets scratched up. And we went, oh, that's, I so appreciate that, that you have that kind of perspective, that it's a new truck, but it's a work truck. And so we're just taking these rocks and we're just tossing them in the back of his truck. And he, he, he goes, whoa, 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 guys, guys, kind of taking liberties with my truck. You said it was a work truck. I've seen the commercials. They just toss the boulders in there. They're, it's built tough. Like a rock. I mean, you just, boom, rock. And afterwards I realized there's a difference between being okay with using somebody's truck and having it be a work truck and taking liberties with that truck. Right? And just totally having no regard for it. I think that there's a similar thing with God's grace for us. Do we presume on the riches of His kindness? His patience? His forbearance? I sent my Son, He says. I sent my Son to die for your sin so that you might be righteous. Sweet! I got the righteousness of Christ. I can do whatever I want and I've got the righteousness of Christ because He died for my sin. Whoa! Taking some liberties with the death of my son there. 
My son died for your sin. If somebody says, oh, hey, you're in a really bad place with that credit card debt. I'll I'll just pay that off for you. You don't real quick go on a shopping spree. Sweet. Blank check. Da-ding, 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 da-ding. Rack it up. Can I put a Ferrari on this? We don't presume on the kindness and forbearance and patience of God. Or do you presume on the riches of His kindness and forbearance and patience not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? When He says, I sent My Son to die for your sin, He's not saying, so go ahead and sin all you want because Jesus is just going to cover all of that. What He's saying is, He's died for your sin to take it away and make you righteous. Now you're righteous. You're debt free. To live in a way that is debt free. He's called us to a whole new way of living. We're not going to be able to do it perfectly, and Jesus' blood will cover that too. But we are called to holiness, to righteousness, to a place of, as God's children, to live for Him and with Him. So far be it from us to go back to that other stuff. In the book of John, in John chapter 3, a passage that we're very familiar with, it says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and the people loved the darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light, and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed." But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. We see here that the only difference between you and them is if you believe in Jesus, the Son of God, Sent to take care of our sins. And if we don't believe in that, we already are condemned. Because our sins condemn us. Our actions condemn us. And we hide from the light of the truth of God's Word so that we can stay in the sin. 
And sometimes I think that people even come into the church and they go, okay, check. I believe. But then hide in the dark. Jesus forgave us so that we could live in the light. So that people could see, here's what's going on. Well, I don't really want them to see what's going on all the time. That's okay. Nobody wants everybody to see what's going on all the time. But that doesn't mean they shouldn't. Live in such a way that people can see what's going on all of the time. And when you live that way, there's nothing to be afraid of. When you live in the light, people see stuff and they go, whoa, 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 that's not appropriate. Oh. Okay. I'll repent of that. That's what God's kindness is for. That's what His patience and forbearance is for. It's to lead us into a place of repentance. And if we keep hiding in the dark and we hide away from Him, then we're not going to be in a place where we can receive His forgiveness. So instead of being in a place where we very quickly jump to approval and say, oh, that's fine, it's to- you can totally do that sin. I struggle with the same kinds of things, and so it's just not that big of a deal. Or judgment, where we say, hey, that's not okay. That's a really awful sin. I would never do anything that bad. Instead of being in, in either of those places, we see the sin in others and we do a self-reflection and say, God, Help me find what's going on in me. Would you bring to light in my own mind or through someone else the sin that is in me so that it might be dealt with? So that I can be righteous, pure and holy before you. And we can move on from this. It's the humble way to react to the sin in others. Some of us still want to hang on to that judgment piece. But, but if I do that, don't they get away with it? I, I have to be mad. Somebody needs to be mad. When they do awful stuff like that, somebody has to be mad about that. And you know what? Somebody is. He's mad enough. And patient, and kind, and forbearing, that they and we might possibly be led into righteousness that comes through the gift of His Son. Hebrews 10 26 says, For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, There no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the Spirit of grace? 
For we know him who said, vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Unless we have already received forgiveness through the sacrifice of His Son. So I want to encourage you to build a practice of repentance. To, to build a, a heart attitude of repentance. To be quick to repent. To be humble to repent. To, to seek uh, feedback from others. And say, can you, can you help me? Where do you see sin in my life? That's a tough question to ask. I would ask it of somebody that you really trust. Somebody who has your best in mind. But I wouldn't be afraid to ask it. Because to not ask the question and to not uh, ask it of ourselves or to not ask it of others is to hide in the darkness and just hope that nobody finds out about the sin. But once the sin is exposed, then we can repent of it and we can deal with it. Let's be that kind of a people that is humble and quick to repent. That when you discover sin in yourself, you, you don't avoid it or, or, or ignore it or hide from it, but you quickly bring it to, to God and say, God, I have recognized this sin in me and I repent. Would you forgive me for this sin? And would you help me to walk in righteousness instead? You can use the list that's found in Romans 1, at the end of Romans 1. You can find, use the list that's in Galatians 5. There's a list of sins in Galatians 5 and a list of righteous fruits of the Spirit there. And you can just pray through and say, God, is this in me? Is this in me? How about this one? Can you help me here? Because as we do that, we put ourselves in a place of righteousness. But if we don't, Romans chapter 2, verse 5. But because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. It is my desire that no one here be in that place. That no one here be storing up wrath for yourself. Because it is a terrible and awful thing to be in that place and then fall into the hands of the living God. Can we take just a couple of minutes of quiet self-reflection? And I would challenge you to ask the Holy Spirit, 
reveal in me my sin. And then we can mourn it and repent of it and receive His grace. And the reality is that for those who believe in Jesus, we no longer stand condemned. But we get to rejoice because we have received His righteousness. And so I'd like to take a couple of minutes of just quiet reflection and repentance so that when Christian comes back up, we can rejoice in the freedom that we have in Christ, having been set free from our sin. Let's pray. Oh God, we are in need of your mercy and your grace. Because we find that we are the sinners. The ones who reject you. The ones who prefer other things over you. The ones who do things that we would not accept or approve in anyone else. And so when we uh, approve the sins of others, we pray that you would convict us of that. And when we put ourselves in a place of judgment and condemnation, we pray that uh, you would convict us of that. That we might be before you as your children, righteous and holy, saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. And so now I ask, For those here who have never asked for that before. That you would reveal to them the depths of their sin. That they might believe and ask for your forgiveness. And find grace through the work of Jesus Christ. And I pray for those who have done that before who are here this morning. That you would reveal their sin in their lives. And I ask that they would be humble to repent of it again and walk in righteousness before you. And we ask for this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, because we are unable to do it on our own. Amen.